Welcome to Aim Higher, a show designed to help us realize the leadership potential inside of all of us. I'm Skip Pritchard, CEO, author, blogger, student of success, and your host. Welcome to Aim Higher. Today, we are reflecting on my interview with Jason Dorsey. Jason is the leading Gen Z Millennials and Generations keynote speaker and researcher. If you haven't heard him speak, he's amazing. He's received more than 1,000 standing ovations, and I give him one right now because he is so good. His information is very, very fascinating. He's a best-selling author. He's appeared on numerous places like the Today Show and CNN and the Early Show. He's been in a cover story in the New York Times. He is a very, very interesting guy. His wife, Denise Villa, also fascinating PhD in this. Together, they run a company called the Center for Generational Kinetics. And he has this book out that is chock full of great information called Zeconomy, how Gen Z will change the future of business and what to do about it. And he is really, really, really something. He's also on a really wonderful group that I'm involved with called the Speakers Roundtable, which you can look up and find some great speakers. He is energy, information, positivity, all of these things all in one. So I think on the interview, he just shared so much fascinating, fascinating information. It's just hard to even categorize it and think about it. So we're going to talk and reflect on some of the things that he shared, some of the things that we find interesting for leaders and the implications for what's coming in the workplace as well. So with that, we have a great star-studded panel. They are here in the studio, in person, socially distanced, to talk about all things generation. And I mean, this, this is one, one incredible panel. So taking a break from his Olympic run, we have Drew Bordis, who is an operations expert, and we're glad to get him here out of all of his other pursuits. Welcome, Drew. Happy to be here. Thank you. We have Tammy Spade, and Tammy Spade broke through the paparazzi that is trying to uh, to get her to weigh in on the world events of today. And instead, she said, no, I am here purposefully to join AIM Higher and talk about generations. So welcome, Tammy. No higher priority than being here. Excellent. And we also have Alex Kaur, who has run a business, is in business development, is Superman, and he is now here in studio with us to talk about all things generation. Welcome, Superman. Thank you for having me. Alex also, I should say, is in this generation that we're going to talk about, just barely, I mean, barely in the Z generation, but nevertheless, here you are. Representing a whole generation. It's all you. So whatever you say about them, that's what it is. You will be the ultimate authority on the generation. Oh, I love podcasts like this. <laughs> so there it is. All right. So No pressure. No pressure. And if necessary, Jason will have to rewrite his book and research to match what you say. <laughs> I'm sure he'll love that. So let's just reflect on some of the things that we learned and what Jason was talking about with regard to generations. As you heard some of the characteristics of Gen Z, what 
were you thinking? Did that resonate? I found it personally very, very interesting. My daughter's in Gen Z also, borderline, we call them cuspers, he said, which is on the cusp between millennial and Gen Z. And I found a lot of the things just eye-opening, in particular, how they're very thrifty and will save every penny. And many have already been saving for retirement, which is unprecedented. The number have already started saving for retirement. And I found myself, as I'm reading the book, nodding, thinking, that's my daughter, that's this. And I didn't realize how much of that was generational. But she has all the money that we've given her for a birthday or holiday saved up. And somehow it says, well, I need this or that uh, if she doesn't have the money. So it's interesting how uh, how thrifty they are. But lots of different observations in, in the world they lived, they grew up in is very, very different. What were your reflections on Gen Z? Well, I noticed a couple things. And I, I have two children that are in Generation Z, one barely in there. But um, you know what I've noticed is they're thrifty with their money, but not my money. <laughs> so that that's just a little a little different twist. The other thing that Jason mentioned was if it was, works, why not go? Exactly. With it? Smart on their part, right? He mentioned that people accuse Generation Z of not communicating. But the truth is they communicate more than any other generation through Snapchat, through Instagram, through other social media, through short bursts, but they just don't communicate the way prior generations expect them to communicate. I think the thing that stuck out to me when he was going through that was the shared events that how they can have long lasting effects that you don't even realize. And we, you know, I think we talk about it or we've talked about it a lot in the past with um, people who lived through the Great Depression, right? And they just would never spend a dime and save everything and throw nothing away and yada, 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 right? Because of that deep shared experience and they, you could just never shake it. And I think that, that also, you know, uh, maybe children who, or not children, people who were trying to find a job out of college during a recession, you know, it can be a very different experience than coming out of college during a boom. And what does that do to you the rest of your career and how you live? And I also found it interesting how the generations are different depending on where you are in the world, because the experience may not be worldwide. Sure, yeah. That was interesting to me too. And what's interesting about their firm is that they do research in all the different countries around the world. And you'll see a very different look in China, for instance, than you would in the U.S. Especially when you think about something like a baby boom, right? I mean, is that a global boom? Is that a regional boom? Is that, you know, that things like that can be absolutely just place to place. Well, we also make generalizations. Generalizations can happen a lot with looking at a generation. And it, you can't lump all of everything into to anything as easily as the box. But there are kind of commonalities. And you do kind of see some of these things. There's also great misunderstandings, I think, about a generation where you think, I'm being labeled as a generation this way, and that really doesn't fit our generations. What are some of the ways you think Gen Z is misunderstood? I should probably start with Alex because you are Gen Z. How do you think Gen Z is misunderstood? Speak up on behalf of all Gen Z. I would say a lot of people think that they are like the smart aleck or know-it-all type. One, yes, they're more exposed to a lot of stuff on social media. They see a lot more different things and experiences that they haven't experienced, but they can try to relate to and within a community. I think they are willing to learn. There's different outlets for learning like YouTube, business shows like Shark Tank, and just that exposure in that media. And they want to share that view, but they want to make a difference for it. So I don't think it's a smart aleck. I think it's they want to learn, just kind of help them on that way. 
they also seem to be very inclined to learn quickly. It seems like I'm, I'm amazed if there's a topic or something mentioned, they will dig in and find resources or watch a video on YouTube so quickly in a way that I find remarkable. Uh, they want to dive right in and get all into it quickly. Is that true? Or is that just, is that? Yeah, I do it personally too. Like if I hear something or know about a topic, especially relevant in the world today, I will do my research, but my research will be different. It will be directly through YouTube or what are, what are my friends or peers saying? I'll do that investigative search and then I'll come back to you and say, is this right? And I think the video thing jumped out at me. And I think where Jason said it was, he was talking about recruiting and he said, where do they go for information? What do they value and how do they value it? And that's where he started talking about video. And it's something I thought about with us because we we're always talking about different ways to communicate, you know, in the company and should I do this in writing? Should I do a podcast? Should I do it over video? I mean, there's, you, you know, you, you can never get it right and there's a million different ways to do it. But the video thing I think is fascinating, especially in this time, this COVID time where we're all separated. And so we've been experimenting with different ways to just, let's put out a five minute video about something exciting we're doing and let people watch it on demand. And if they like it, great. And so I think being able to experiment with things like that and then as a company saying, if we've got a whole generation of people coming up now in the prime consumer age where that's where they go for content, then what do you need to do as a company to make sure you're there? Yeah. Alex brought up something that I've noticed, and that is the the openness and propensity to learn. And learning takes um, a big entry with the mobile device. So, you know, when we're sitting at a multi-generational table with our family and we're at a restaurant and someone says, I wonder if, you know, Mars has this. The younger people in Generation Z at the table immediately pull their phones out and go look up something to see what the answer is. And there's an openness to information. There's an openness to learning that I, I think is unique to that generation and probably just easier because of the accessibility of information. I think it sparks that curiosity, too, because, yes, I could go on my phone, but now, too, I could just say, Alexa, what is dot, dot, dot? I think he touched on that in part of his book, too. So it's that instant gratification factor that I think is very compelling to that generation. Yeah, I would think that's true where some people would just wonder about it and either look it up later or most of the time forget all about it, order another beer and move on with dinner. It is an interesting thing. I noticed myself though, I, I'm curious and want to look it up a lot of times as well, which is a different topic over dinner. <laughs> because generations over dinner and pulling out phones and are we together? Are we having dinner or are we really just individuals who are sitting around a table in separate worlds because we're all in our different phone bubbles? Have you noticed that phenomenon? Oh, we, we go back and forth with it as a family all the time because actually we, we noticed um, when we sit down at our table at home. When we're and, not, and for background for the back, readers, sorry, three what, kids, what's the range um, of? I have a 15-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a 9-year-old. Okay, so a full range there. All have their own devices, probably two devices, whatever. They've got, they've got ample devices, right? When we sit down at home, there's no devices at the table. And we laugh. We crack up. Our dinners are loud. They're fun just because we're just funny people. Um, <laughs> but when we go out to eat, we usually let them have their devices with them. It just doesn't really bother us and it's fine. And our meals are silent most of the time. And it's just, it's so we've noticed that kind of difference in how the five of us act as a group together, depending on whether we're half of us are glued to our devices or not. And do you think it's generational? I mean, Kennington and I are on our devices too. 
So, I mean, <laughs> like he said, like he said, the younger group is teaching the older group technology now, which never used to happen before. I thought that was one of the striking things he said. So maybe they're teaching us to look at our device at dinner now. It could be the way I have interacted a lot with Gen Z dinner. I will sometimes say, can you show me how to do this? <laughs> I feel old. Uh, and I'm pretty good, I think, relatively. So it, it is interesting. Well, let's think about leadership. I'm interested in leaders and leading Gen Z. And I'll start again with Alex, because I'd love to know from a generational perspective, how does Z's want to be led? What do you think makes a great team leader or a great boss? Is there a difference? Is there something that you could think of that would say, this to me is the way I want to be led? I think communication is very important, but communicating in a very authentic way so that you're transparent and honest. Because if I come at you with an idea, I want you to hear me. And whether that be a good idea or a really bad idea, how you respond to me in an authentic way, I will respect. That's me personally. I think that's the generation two. Um, it's that goes back to that willingness to learn, right? So they want to validate their learning. And if you say something's wrong, I think, or wrong, or this is how it is, I think they'll take that in a respective way. So how they be led, I think, in an authentic way. I think he just said, I want to be led by a Gen Xer. That's all, that's all I heard. Is that what you that's heard? That's what I heard. Gee, I didn't hear that same thing. But Jason does talk about what Alex just said, and that is being authentic. They're okay if you mess up, as long as you just, you know, share it and are transparent, conversational. And I think there's a lot of implications for marketers, businesses, and, and leaders in this, that if you're working with someone in the Gen Z arena, you do want to be maybe more connected, quick connects, quick outreaches, authentic not overly formal. It is interesting to, you know, to watch the multi-generations as they deal with technology and communication. And yeah, what I love is that I learn so many techniques and things from each generation that applies because you can't generalize everyone. And so if you learn text work or videos or whatever, and you just keep incorporating all of those into your arsenal and you keep rotating that and using that, you become a much more well-rounded, effective leader than if you simply go to the note that you're used to playing. If you go to the note you're used to playing that works for you, it doesn't even work for your whole generation. It works for a subset. And so the more we learn to incorporate all these different things, snippets of information or video or different way to do in person, I think it's really important. Tammy, you touched on this and Alex mentioned it in his comment as well. But I loved what Jason said is that we think people will respond to strength and resiliency in leadership. But in fact, all generations, and I loved this in the research, wanted candor and transparency, wanted authenticity more than strength and resiliency. And I find that to be really full of implications for us in every aspect of leadership and leading an organization and marketing and branding and recruiting and retaining employees and developing a mission statement, all of those things, because we think strength and resiliency is, is key. And yet it's not, it's candor and it's transparency. It's even vulnerability. And that is a shift, I think, in terms of the way people are thinking from long ago. Not sure all the dynamics behind that shift, but what do you make of that strength and resiliency? Not really what people want as much as first. I mean, they may want it. But first, first and foremost, they want candor and transparency. One of the things that struck me as recruiting, and Drew mentioned it earlier, 
your website is going to straw, it's going to show strength and resiliency. It's going to be something that try, you know, to be authentic, but it's, it's going to put your best self out there. No one posts their worst photo on Instagram or Facebook or their corporate website. But where does Gen Z go for information? They go to their friends. They go to Glassdoor. They go to other social media to try and get a sense of what's the real story of working at this organization. Lots of implications for recruiting. That's a good question. I'm curious from the Gen Z perspective. Do you go to comments and reviews, social media, friends? If you're going to buy something, how do you validate or do you validate it's a good thing to do. The first thing that I personally do, and I think it's well-rounded too, is go right to the reviews. What are other people saying about this? Um, if my friends or people I know have it, I'll reach out to them and ask how it works, how it is. But Tammy, I think you made a really good point too on the website. If I go to a website and it's not modern or it's clunky and I can't navigate it, it's not good on my mobile device, I just don't think it's, it's very accessible and it drives me away from it. I'm not going to visit that again because of my experience with that. But first and foremost, I would say reviews rather than I'm just going to try this out and see how it is. I think something interesting about the honesty and transparency versus the strength and something that struck me when he said it, because it's across all generations, which I think is just fascinating, is with the, with the amount of information we've got at our fingertips and the just deluge that comes at us all the time and the access we have to people's personal lives, everything about them, if, if you want it, right? I just don't think we're naive and innocent anymore. I think if you stand up and say you're the superhuman CEO that never makes a mistake, I think half the room's going to think, whatever. No, you're not. <laughs> like, just they just don't think that anymore. And that's why, and believe me, I'm no generational expert, but that I was trying to think of how could that be across all generations? Well, we're all inundated with technology, information, and and just have lost some of that innocence. Yeah, I think we're all a little jaded. Yeah. So we've yeah. all borrowed from Gen X a lot of You're welcome. this this skepticism, yes. right? This skepticism. And I'm with you on yes. that generation. Yes. yes. It, it, is, it is a skepticism. It's a, we need to validate this. I'm not quite sure I believe this. I definitely, I see Gen X leading the skepticism way. We're the champions. Well, you can't hide it anymore, too. You could get up and say something. And if you're wrong... You you can't hide it. Everybody knows. Yes. And things travel so quickly. Right. So this leadership, candor, and transparency is so important. I think it's also important even if a brand stands up and says, we made a mistake. You know, the famous, this is years and years ago before this research, but the famous Coke. We took away Coke, and that was probably not wise. Tammy's um, already shivering, thinking they may do it again. Do not do it. Grabbing on to my Diet Coke right now. <laughs> it is a side note. There is no endorsement from Coca-Cola for this podcast, Could though be, in the future, yeah. they are more than welcome to do so. It is a important thing to be to lead with transparency, to lead with candor, to lead with vulnerability, not too much candor, transparency and vulnerability either. So you can have too much where it becomes a turnoff as well. So that's also that balance. We've talked about that before. How do I be candid enough, vulnerable enough, but not so much that, as my mom used to say, you don't air your dirty laundry. You don't, don't wallow in it. Don't wallow <laughs> in it. Uh, it is not becoming if you get lost in it, I think. So we talk about reviews and those kind of things. I'm thinking about brands and brand loyalty. So you, or, you talked about, Alex, you talked about when you ordered an item. I'm thinking about 
What makes you loyal to a product, a company, an organization? How do you think that your generation gains trust and brand loyalty? Is it from those reviews then? Is that, I mean, you, then you order the product. Is it your personal experience? Yeah, it's, a, it's the reviews are just a starting point, I think. The personal experience and what are the features and am I getting a bang for my buck on this product um, will keep me loyal to it. I think another great thing too is showing the value of either purchasing or being a, a member of a product. Um, and I think a lot of answers to that is a rewards program. So you're telling me I can buy this amount and then I get this one free. I'm I'm going to stick with this just for that value to me as a customer. Prizes. I think Gen Z loves prizes. <laughs> I have seen Gen Z do amazing things for prizes. Is it the Apple Watch that gives a little ding ding when you do something around you get a little flag or something? I have watched I have walked personally with my daughter seven extra miles in a day for her to have this flag <laughs> or something. And it is extraordinary. Is that Gen Z? You yeah. like the flag. Yeah. They'll, they'll work hard accomplishment. For, for these rewards. And the rewards are, are interesting. And I think that has really interesting implications yes. for leaders to think about this achievement mentality, even in an organization. I think we come from a world where we'll just do the job and just do the work and thank you very much. And that's what you're being paid for. That's not working, right? It, it's, And obviously, you want to be grateful. You want to thank people for what they're doing. You want to recognize them. But there's this sense of iterative achievement along the way. I need to know how I'm doing in your eyes. Am I on track? Am I off track? And I see that more and more with Gen Z. And I'm wondering how to build that into corporate systems. I think, too, going back to a leadership aspect, if a brand, like you said, comes about on a stance or saying, yeah, speaking up for a social issue, I think that speaks a lot to that generation to connect with it and have value with that because the opposite can happen too. Cancel culture is a real thing. It's a sad thing, but if you mess up and a vulnerability is in a bad way, that can shift in a very negative way. It can become polarizing. I don't know if you've seen that in some recent brands like Nike and, and, and others, but it can have a negative effect too, I think. Yeah, I think you've brought up something that that I've seen a lot in the Gen Z people that I work with and know well, and that is the social aspect of a brand. And it's got a lot of implications, not just for brands, but also I think for organizations. You know, what are they about beyond selling a product or service or revenue or stock price or whatever it is? I think the other thing I've noticed is experience orientation versus feature function orientation. So Gen Z might be less concerned about ownership and more concerned about experience. I don't necessarily have to own a home. Maybe I want to, you know, do leases and rentals and move around. So there, there's this desire for experience and flexibility along with that more conservative value of frugality and, you know, work ethic that's strong. It's good. I'm thinking about working and I think about how different generations interact with each other. And then I'm also thinking about leadership and future leaders. And I keep defaulting to start with Alex because you represent the entire generation. And I'm thinking of how leaders may be different in the future. And I know your first job, you were leading a team, which is unusual in and of itself because usually you don't right away. But I was watching you interact with people of very different generations, baby boomer in his 60s, young people, et cetera. How do you think Gen Z 
will lead differently than other generations? Differently is a good word. I can tell you what I think they ha- how they might lead. I think that would be in a more of a cooperative fashion, listening and responding to how we mentioned, representing something bigger than what they are or our brand is. And in regards to working with different people in the generation, I don't think that matters too much, in my opinion, or from what I experience either. I don't care how old you are or how young you are, experienced or inexperienced. If you can get the job done and I can trust in you to get the job done and you're, like we said, transparent with one another, I can help if I need to. I'm okay with that and I can work with it. So the lines of generations are almost blurred. It doesn't matter as much. It's just the the purpose. But I like what you said because the cooperative nature of it, listening, representing that brand is something bigger than it is. I, I think of these things when I think about this generation, and it's a great lesson because this is what's right for everyone, not just for this generation. And that's what I love about this research is because it pushes organizations and leaders to think differently. So being more cooperative, being more inclusive, having a diverse team, listening really well, caring. I think that they're more flexible and they represent big ideas and big movements and they get behind things in a different way. And if you do these things, I think it doesn't just appeal to Generation Z. I think it appeals to everyone. Because everyone starts to see the benefit of cooperation and inclusion and listening and being flexible. So the next generation just drives us there faster in a beautiful, beautiful way. What are your thoughts, Tammy and Drew, as, as we reflect on well, that? I think what comes to mind as you say that, you know, I th- and maybe this is why people like generational studies so much. It is a fascinating view into what is going on in the world because it's not like this gigantic group of people just fell out of bed yesterday and decided they liked videos more than, you know, writing. That doesn't happen, right? So what is going on in the world that makes these groups of people all act and respond a similar way? And if you can understand that, you can absolutely adopt it, learn from it. I really liked when Jason said, every generation has something huge to offer. It's not a, this one's good, that one's, maybe Gen X is really good, but it's not That one's good. That one's bad. That one's stupid. That one's lazy. It's not that. It's, wow, that group really does that well. They're looking at the world a whole different way than we do. What's going on there? Yeah, I think certainly openness to learning. One of the things that Jason says is that these are clues and not a box. So, you know, just like any group of people who are homogeneous in one way are not all the same, it's true of generations too. But I I agree with Drew. I think there are strengths in each generation and certainly in each person that you can bring. And if you're open to learning and mm-hmm. open to understanding. Um, and I think Gen Z is is one of the more open generations that we've seen. I do also think, though, that, Drew, when you mentioned life events, you know, you look at maybe 18 or 19-year-olds right now, their lives are bookended by 9-11 on one end and COVID and a pandemic on the other end. So, what implications is that going to have? Right. We have no that? idea we yet. We don't. Yeah. And time is going to tell. But what implications will that have? Big implications. It, it's really amazing. And you can see the next generation because of what's happening with COVID. I'm sure that's going to be a generational divide for Jason's work in the future because it will have a formative effect on people, I think, around the world. It, and, and that will be global. I think that's going to shift the whole global generation, the next generation because of COVID. And we're all learning 
a number of things from COVID, good and bad. It's accelerating change. It's certainly impacting the way we do business, et cetera. Well, I just want to recommend again this great book, Zeconomy by Jason Dorsey and Denise Villa. It is really interesting about Gen Z, the future of business, what to do about it. So many implications for leaders, for business owners, for entrepreneurs to be thinking about not just this generation, but how to make your current organization better. And it will push you. And that's what I love about it. I also love how he said they don't represent change. They're doing things the way they've done it all along. It's always this way. To them, everything is app-centric. Everything is digital first. Everything is online. And so when he mentioned, you know, that you come out with a giant check onto the field, they're looking at a monetary instrument, right? I loved that. And he said something they've never seen and it's written in cursive. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So it is, you know, we think, oh, this is a great communication. And they're looking at it saying, what is that? And so it's interesting. It doesn't represent change to them. It represents normal. And this will change. I also love the idea of being paid part every day. I'm not sure, Tammy, if you've put that into our systems yet. Yeah, we're going to have to do some reprogramming. (laughs) I really like that too. So it is fascinating. If you want to be a great leader, if you aspire to leadership and success, I think it's important to understand people and their personalities. I think it's important to understand groups and their diversity. I think it's important to understand generations and what makes them tick and what makes them think differently and what their strengths are so that you can tap into them. If you want your organization to succeed at the best and highest levels and you want to go to the very top, you need to make sure you understand how generations work. That is always the way you aim higher. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. And if you like what you hear, please rate us in iTunes. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre, always aim higher.